once again, everybody, this is Locked On Nittany Lions, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today is Thursday, March 19th, 2020. Yet another day with no sports to really talk about and not a whole lot to look forward to. But don't worry, we have a lot of content to get into in today's episode. I'm Kevin McGuire reminding you to subscribe to this podcast on all of your favorite podcasting apps such as iTunes and Google Play, Spotify and Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, Himalaya, whatever you use. We've got the RSS feed out there. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss a single episode. And of course, if you enjoy what you're hearing, a subscription is great, but we also appreciate a rating and a review if you have the time to spare and help us out a little bit. It does help with the promotion on those various podcasting apps. We also want you to be a part of the show, so make sure you send your questions and send your comments to us on Twitter, at LockedOnNittany. We do want to make you guys a part of the show in any way possible, so we look forward to hearing what you guys have to say. And, of course, you can check us out on Facebook at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. And if you like listening to podcasts or audio in YouTube, we've got the YouTube channel up and running. We put up some select clips from various shows throughout the week. So go ahead to YouTube, search for Locked On Nittany Lions, and we should pop right up for you guys. So make sure you subscribe to us over there. So again, with all that out of the way, let's go ahead and get today's episode underway. Before we get started with today's episode, I do want to take a quick moment just to say once again that I really do feel for anyone out there that's being placed in a little bit of an out of the ordinary situation, whether you're being forced to work from home or maybe you've been put off of work for the foreseeable future. If you're quarantined or anything like that, hopefully uh, you're not being affected directly by the virus. But obviously, the way that things have been going around the world these days uh, is tough sledding right now for a lot of people. So hopefully uh, you're able to get through whatever you may be going through right now. And if this podcast can just be a small part of your daily routine, I am happy to be here for you. We're going to continue to have these shows moving forward just so you guys know, and we'll try to have them on a daily basis for you as we like to do. And if there's going to be any changes to whatever schedule, I'll be sure to let you guys know, first and foremost, right here on the podcast and again on those social media accounts as well. So you can stay up to date. We'll try to keep the conversation going for you guys so you can kind of take your mind off of everything that's been going on. Obviously, from time to time, we are going to have to address it in a certain capacity here. But the good news for today is this show is going to be mostly uh, free of all that conversation, except for one little story, but it's kind of cool. I'm going to throw it in there in just a minute. But I do want to address one of the main news stories that came out uh, within the last 24 hours, and that is Penn State's legal battle with a former player who uh, has transferred to California back in January of 2019. Uh, Isaiah Humphreys. Uh, Penn State has now filed to dismiss a lawsuit that was filed in a federal court by the former player uh, alleging uh, hazing and harassment and the staff and notably head coach James Franklin allegedly ignoring those complaints before Isaiah Humphreys transferred. So just to kind of refresh, and I'm not going to go into all the graphic detail about the the alleged acts of hazing, but uh, Isaiah Humphreys, a former Class 2018 player in Penn State's uh, program uh, who has since transferred to Cal. Before he transferred to Cal, he, he says that he was being hazed and harassed 
by some of his teammates. And some of them were the younger teammates that were mentioned single-handedly, including Micah Parsons. And again, this is all alleged. I don't know what happened. I don't know what didn't happen. Uh, just saying his lawsuit accused a handful of players, including Micah Parsons and Yedder Gross Matos uh, and a number of other players, or a handful of other players, of acting inappropriately, saying inappropriate things, and he didn't feel comfortable about it, and he felt targeted by some of these alleged acts and uh, criticisms or whatever the case may be. And so Humphreys claims that he went to James Franklin, went to other members of the coaching staff, and nobody within the football program uh, opted to do anything that found some kind of resolution that I suppose was satisfiable in his viewpoint. Again, these are all alleged. Uh, this case was investigated by a couple departments within Penn State. Uh, information was handed over to the Penn State Police, who did an investigation, handed over the information from that investigation to the district attorney, and the district attorney opted not to follow through with pressing any charges. That doesn't necessarily mean that nothing happened, just that whatever evidence or whatever was found in those investigations wasn't enough to warrant moving forward with any kind of a criminal case. Or, or whatever the case may be. So Isaiah Humphreys has taken this into a federal court, uh, suing Penn State, uh, accusing James Franklin, and um, I forget the player's name off the top of my head, but uh, taking Penn State to task for what he feels was an injustice. Uh, he says that this is part of the reason why, he, or the main reason why he transferred from Penn State to California, where he currently is today. So Penn State naturally has filed to dismiss the lawsuit, and I think it's based on the fact that the district attorney decided not to press charges and the other investigations, the internal investigations, didn't find anything worth moving forward for. So I would imagine that that's the, the, the typical strategy in a legal setting like that. I'm no legal expert, but it seems to me like if uh, somebody accuses me of or ignoring something like this and uh, you don't have any evidence that was strong enough to have the district attorney move forward. That's the first move I'm going to make in my defense. I'm going to file for that lawsuit to be dismissed. That way we can just wash our hands of everything and move on. So we'll see. I don't know exactly what the timeline here that we're talking about is, but it's something we'll just keep an eye on. And we've mentioned it before uh, back in January. And of course, we'll mention it again as we get some more information on that moving forward. Before we move on to our next segment, though, I want to step outside of the world of the Big Ten and take a look at how another program is addressing the ongoing COVID-19 outbreak pandemic, if you will. Uh, and that is the Kansas Jayhawks, who are holding their junior day today on Thursday, March 19th. And of course, with every conference basically shutting down any kind of in-person recruiting attempts or in-person events uh, with uh, athletic programs, uh, you can't have your typical junior day where you have all these high school juniors come out to your program, check out the campus, check out your program, get a chance to talk to coaches. You can't have that experience right now, but Kansas is still finding a way to move forward with it. And it seems pretty cool, and I think it's something that a lot of other schools, probably even Penn State, are probably going to uh, mimic in the in the near future uh, for events like these. And that is they are going virtual. They are taking their junior day festivities and going online on Twitter and on TikTok. They've got coaches and staff members putting together dance videos on TikTok that are going to be in a tournament style so people can vote on which one's uh, the more entertaining of, of the videos, which is pretty cool. It's a it's a neat way to finally force me to maybe download TikTok onto my phone and see what it's all about. <laughs> but um, 
They'll also be doing stuff on Twitter, kind of giving tours of the campus and interviews with different members of, of the program, including head coach Les Miles. And overall, I thought it was a great idea. In times like these, you need to be creative. And I think Kansas found a really good way to go about and continue on with a junior day in whatever way they possibly can. And I think it's an easy solution. And I think it's a pretty entertaining one as well. And I look forward to seeing what other programs attempt to do uh, in the similar situation moving forward for as as long as things are going to be shut down the way that they are, I think uh, what Kansas is doing is very inspiring and it's going to keep us pretty much entertained. It's a great way to have access to those juniors, but it also opens the door up for everybody that's able to access the internet and go on Twitter and go on TikTok. And I think it's going to be pretty fun. I'd love to see what Penn State would do if something like this were to pop up. And going back to what I was saying earlier, these are weird times right now. You know, go to the grocery store, a lot of stuff is off the shelf. It's pretty tough to get some of the food necessities that you may need. And that's why a lot of people have actually been taking advantage of getting uh, delivery from whatever option they have available to them. While I am pleased to relay an offer that's been going on with our Locked On NBA podcast uh, recently, we're extending it to the entire network now. But I want to make sure you guys are able to take advantage of this if you need it. Our friends over at Postmates, they're offering a limited time. Uh, we're going to get $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. So that's $100 of free delivery credit for a week. And that can help out a lot of people, I would say. So all you got to do to start your free deliveries is download the Postmates app, use the code LOCKEDONNBA, and you're going to be able to get access to that free $100 credit for your first seven days. So if you are in need of getting some food delivered to you, hopefully this will help you out. That's what we're hoping. It helps somebody out there and feel free to pass that along to anybody who may need it. All right, we don't typically talk NFL, but with not much else going on and NFL free agency opening up yesterday, I wanted to take a quick note on a couple former Penn State players to see how they're faring in the NFL free agency as of the time of this recording. Always keep that in mind that I'm recording these on the night before. So this episode is being recorded on Wednesday evening. Who knows what may have happened between now and by the time you actually get a chance to listen to this podcast on Thursday. So if I'm missing out on anything, I apologize in advance. However, a couple notable uh, headlines from the world of NFL free agency involving some former Penn State players on Thursday. I'm, I'm going to start with the, the big the big fish in the water, which is Tom Brady, who, of course, went to Michigan. He's not a Penn Stater, but the Tom Brady to the Tampa Bay Bucks situation, I don't think it's become official as of the time I'm recording this, but it does seem as though it's inevitable, and I think Tampa Bay is just waiting for that opportunity to have the official announcement made where they can make the ultimate splash. Uh, Tom Brady is going to be the quarterback for the Tampa Bay Bucks as far as everybody in the world seems to be concerned. And you may be asking, why am I talking about this on a Penn State podcast? Well, that's because one of his go-to wide receivers receivers is going to be Chris Godwin, who I think is going to be in for a massive payout and a massive year. Now, keep in mind, he wears the number 12 in Tampa Bay, and you know that Tom Brady is number 12, TB12. That's his that's his signature, basically. And, um, you know, in situations like this, when you have an all-time great player like Tom Brady go to a new team, there's a very good chance that the player wearing his preferred jersey number is going to be paid handsomely for the rights to wear that jersey number. So I, I don't know what Chris Godwin is going to do to take advantage of the situation, but if he is a smart man, 
he's going to make Tom Brady pay in some way or another to get the rights to wear that number 12 because number 12 is Chris Godwin's jersey number. And, um, you know, it's, you know, there are very few players who have the power to make that kind of transaction. So I would be surprised if Chris Godwin is still number 12 and Tom Brady is wearing a different number by the time the the Tampa Bay season gets underway. Uh, And I think that that would be great for Chris Godwin. But of course, this is also a tremendous opportunity for Chris Godwin to play with one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history. You know, we'll see if the move from New England is going to be real detrimental to Tom Brady. But to me, he is still a, a, a very good quarterback. I know he didn't have uh, the kind of season that a lot of people think he's capable of having last year. And he certainly did not end it the way that he's accustomed to in the playoffs. But make no mistake about it, Tom Brady is a, a great quarterback. He's not going to be a bad acquisition for Tampa Bay one way or the other. And a guy like Chris Godwin should be able to take advantage of that. He should be able to rack up a good number of receiving yards, some good touchdown totals. And uh, that will only bode well for him moving forward as he continues on with his NFL career when he goes through contract negotiations and all that stuff. So this is a great opportunity for a guy like Chris Godwin, who is one of the best wide receivers we've seen at Penn State in quite some time. Outside of Allen Robinson, uh, who, of course, is still kind of be a name to watch. I know Allen Robinson's got a new quarterback in Chicago. If he's staying in Chicago, uh, Chicago Bears acquiring former Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles, who, of course, beat Tom Brady a couple years in the Super Bowl. Just wanted to put that out there as an Eagles fan. But Nick Foles is going to Chicago. Uh, so the quarterback situation in Chicago is going to be pretty interesting. If Nick Foles stays healthy, you know, Chicago's got a pretty good quarterback and in my mind, it's an upgrade over Mitch Trubisky, but you know that says a lot about where Chicago is with their quarterback situation right now, I say. Uh, so we'll see what that means for Allen Robinson, uh, assuming he's still a bear uh, by the time the season starts. Going back to Tampa Bay, though, Tampa Bay actually did let go of one player, and that was Carl Nassib, who was uh, heading off to the Oakland Raiders. And that's in part because Tampa Bay decided to hang on with Jason Pierre-Paul, who, um, you know, when he's healthy, he's still a a very good defensive lineman. Not that Carl Nassib isn't, but he's making out pretty good out in, uh, I I think I said the Oakland Raiders, or if I did, I I almost said the Oakland Raiders. Uh, That will be the Las Vegas Raiders, assuming that their stadium is ready, of course, by the time the NFL season is ready to kick off. And I would imagine... The Raiders will be playing in Las Vegas. Uh, they're not going to be going back to Oakland. I think they've burned that bridge. Uh, but he's going to be a Raider, and that's a, that's a good opportunity for him to uh, break in with a new team and establish himself there. And I think uh, I think I think Oakland's going to be a pretty interesting team. It looks like they're getting Marcus Mariota too. So uh, there's a, a lot of new faces coming into Oakland, and some good pieces, some good some good potential for Oakland to not necessarily catch the Kansas City Chiefs, but certainly put together a team that I think John Gruden is hoping can make a playoff run and uh, certainly looks like they could be making some upgrades. So not a bad way to make your Las Vegas debut. Uh, Going back to the NFC, uh, another former Penn Stater on the defensive side of the ball, Sean Lee. Sean Lee's going to stay with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, The Cowboys, of course, are investing a lot of money into their offensive side of the football. Uh, Obviously with the, 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 the latest contract to 
uh, Amari Cooper, wide receiver, and of course the Dak Prescott situation ongoing. Uh, there's a lot of money being invested on the offensive side, and with some question marks with that linebacker position, with Lander Vander Esch uh, kind of uh, recovering, and uh, uh, Jalen Smith still kind of uh, bouncing back a little bit, trying to get back to fully full health. A uh, guy like Sean Lee is going to be another really good veteran presence for uh, the Cowboys. And it always seems like he's finding his way around the football. Uh, as an Eagles fan, I have seen way too much of Sean Lee the last couple of years. But good for him. I mean, he continues to have a, a very solid reputation in the NFL, uh, team captain. And the Cowboys are going to need that because they're letting Jason Witten go also, coincidentally, to the Raiders. So <laughs> I think uh, a guy like Sean Lee is always going to be a good guy to have in your locker room. And, uh, you know, if the if the linebacker situation was a little healthier for the Cowboys, maybe they do let Sean Lee move on and, and test the free agents waters a little bit more. But he's going to be uh, back with the Cowboys. So that's a great spot for him. It's been very good for him. If Sean Lee stays healthy, of course, that's always the biggest question. And he's been off and on uh, as well as his health. But when he's healthy, I mean, he's always around the football. And again, like an, as I said, as an Eagles fan, <laughs> I've seen way too much of Sean Lee uh, the last number of years. Uh, but hey, good for him. And, uh, you know, this isn't necessarily a player, but former head coach of the Penn State Nittany Alliance, Bill O'Brien, uh, continuing to create a stir uh, with what he's doing now with the Houston Texans. Now, obviously, he's the head coach, but he's also the general manager. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he is the only head coach who is holding the general manager title in the NFL at this time. And if that's the case, some of the decisions he's making are going to be a little bit scrutinized, a lot heavier, I should say. Uh, obviously, trading DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best wide receivers in the league, off to the Arizona Cardinals and getting not quite as good of a return. I guess it depends on what you're looking for as far as your, your program building or your, your team building, your roster building. And uh, Bill O'Brien has certainly taken on a lot of pressure and I think it's a lot of unnecessary pressure. <laughs> I think he needs to prove himself a little bit more at the NFL level before he can really carry this kind of a power uh, trip <laughs> to say the least. But we all know that successful head coaches are going to have heavy influence on the general manager decisions Bill Bryant's just taking them all over. And hey, if it works for out for Bob, that'd be fantastic. I want to see him succeed in the NFL. And I think he's got the quarterback. And I thought he had the wide receiver. And then he shipped him off to Arizona. So we'll see what happens with Bill Bryant and the Houston Texans. But yeah, I think things are going to heat it up a little bit for Coach Bob uh, once uh, things get rolling as they continue to unfold in free agency. We'll see what he and the Texans do the rest of the way. And one quick aside, it does look as though since the XFL has basically shut down now uh, until 2021, the the reports are that the NFL and the XFL are working to kind of make an arrangement so that players in the XFL are able to sign with the NFL. The XFL has got weird contracts that really limit how many opportunities uh, you'll get a chance to sign with the NFL. Uh, but obviously with everything going on, they're being much more open and allowing players to do whatever's best for them. So it's going to hurt the XFL roster a little bit because they're going to lose some key players that we saw in the short time we saw the XFL. But it's going to be very curious to see what happens with some of these players going into the NFL. Some of them are going to get deals. There's no question about that. Of course, Matt McGloin, uh, probably not looking all that great right now, seeing as he was started for the New York Guardians and got beat up and had some rough moments before being um, replaced at the quarterback position with the Guardians. So it probably doesn't bode all that well for him. But uh, now that the XFL rosters are 
free for NFL or potentially going to be free for NFL free agency. Uh, that should be pretty interesting to see how that all plays out. And of course, the XFL is still planning on coming back in 2021. At least that's what they're saying right now. And honestly, I would love to see it. I would love to see the XFL come back. I enjoyed what I saw of it, and I hope it does come back for another year and, and a full year too. I don't want to see another half season, but obviously with everything going on, every sport has been shut down, and that's uh, that's not a great spot to be in for the XFL as it risks potentially closing down a second spring football league in as many years without completing the season. Obviously, the situation is a lot different from what we saw with uh, Christian Hackenberg's and the uh, the AFL or uh, the AA. AF, whatever it was last year, uh, that was a much different situation. XFL seems like it has some optimism for coming back next year, and I would love to see it. All right, we started up a little bit of a new spur of the moment segment that we're going to run with uh, for the next how many episodes, where we're going to say something nice about another program and another head coach around the Big Ten. We started with yesterday's episode, taking a positive look at Scott Frost in Nebraska. Today, I'm going to stay in that division, and I'm going to talk about Minnesota and what the job that P.J. Fleck has been doing. And I cannot say enough about what P.J. Fleck has done at Minnesota in the short time that he has been there. And I thought of all the big 10 programs that were in this conference, I thought Minnesota was the program where he could have the biggest impact and the things that he does could carry over and lead to some success uh, as far as building that program. And certainly he has done that. He has turned the Minnesota team into a team that is not just winning football games, but feeling confident winning football games and going out and becoming a team to reckon with in that Big Ten West division. Now, last year, things were looking really well for, really good for Minnesota, especially after that big home win against Penn State. And I still say to this day, that was a terrible spot for Penn State to walk into. As good as Penn State was at that point in the season, uh, going on the road to Minnesota, who had the week off. It was the biggest game on their home schedule all season long, uh, up to that point at least. And you knew that Minnesota was going to be fired up for that game. And they were. And they took advantage of that. They jumped over Penn State very early. And I cannot give enough credit to what P.J. Fleck and Minnesota did. Yes, Penn State had some shortcomings. We're not going to get into that. However, uh, a team like Minnesota had the players, had the, the, the key position players, like wide receivers, to take advantage of those shortcomings. And that, to me, is a sign of good coaching. And P.J. Fleck is a good coach. Uh, I know he rubs a lot of people the wrong way. He's got a lot of energy but to me I like that and I think again it doesn't work at every program but it works at Minnesota it worked for him at Western Michigan and Minnesota was the one team in the Big Ten I thought it was going to be able to work almost seamlessly and to me I think it has and I think he's he's still going I don't know what the ceiling is for Minnesota I, I don't think it's as high as it may be for a team like Nebraska but I think it's high enough where you can get Minnesota into a Big Ten championship game situation. You know, you probably need a couple things to fall in their favor in order to get there. But I think P.J. Fleck, uh, if he's going to stay at Minnesota, he's going to get Minnesota into a Big Ten title game at some point. I don't know if it'll be this upcoming season. I don't know if it'll be next year. I do have to look at their schedule. We're going to look at every team's schedules uh, later on in the summer once we get into summer preseason mode. But uh, for me, looking at Minnesota right now, I think they are a really fun program. They're they're fun, they're confident, and, and they're building strength. 
and I think that that's a big key. They are they are getting stronger on the line of scrimmage. Uh, there's still there's still some work to be done. You know, if they're going to go head to head with a team like Ohio State, and as we saw with Wisconsin last year, even though they beat Wisconsin two years ago, you know, we saw against Wisconsin this past season that uh, there's there's still they're still a little bit smaller, still a little overpowered in certain areas where they need to be stronger if they're going to take that that next step forward. And I think that they can do that. I think that that's something that he has focused on, and I think he'll continue to focus on. He's got a good staff around him, too. Obviously, Penn State getting their offensive coordinator, that's going to maybe shake things up a little bit, but I still think you're going to see a pretty similar look from Minnesota going into next season because they found their identity. And say what you will about this row the boat mentality, the ski mod, there are a lot of gimmicks. But again, at Minnesota, they needed gimmicks in order to establish their identity. Similar to how he did this at Western Michigan, it worked for them. It led to a MAC championship, an undefeated season, and a spot in the Cotton Bowl a few years back uh, against Wisconsin. And that's what got him the job in Minnesota. And now he's continuing to do a lot of the same things. He was able to bring over all of those identities with him that make him who he is. And you know, maybe not everything is going to to carry water moving forward, but I do think uh, you know if he's going to stay in Minnesota, uh, Minnesota's got a good one, and I, and I hope he stays at Minnesota for a while. I don't know uh, if he has another successful season, he could very well be on the radar for some other coaching opportunities from from some schools that are going to be able to shove out. But uh, you know what, Minnesota's got that Big Ten money too <laughs> coming in, and that's always nice to have. You see a school like Purdue go all in on Jeff Brom, make him one of the highest paid coaches, second highest paid coach in the Big Ten. If Minnesota has uh, P.J. Fleck taking calls from around the nation, you know, don't be surprised if Minnesota uh, prepares to pay a little bit more as well just to try and keep them there. So I, I think they got a good hire. They made a really good hire at the time. It continues to be a good hire. It's not one that was gimmicky. It is one that was just well-suited. And that's why I, I really like this Minnesota program from afar. I, I think what P.J. Fleck is continuing to do it's very fun for me to watch, and I can admit that even though Minnesota beat Penn State last year on the football field. But that's going to do it for this episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I know we tried to cram in a good amount of content in this episode, and we're going to continue doing that moving forward. So hopefully, again, if you are in a situation where you're stranded, you're working from home, and you need something to kill the time, like some background noise, Put me on your Alexa device. Say, Alexa, play Locked on Nittany Lions on Tuned In. You can load it up on all of your favorite podcasting apps such as iTunes and Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. We're on Himalaya. We've got the RSS feed. And, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Locked on Nittany. And check us out on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Locked on Nittany. I do have some other really fun things in the works. We're going to be getting into some video streaming and probably a couple weeks away from that still. But I'm going to have you some more information for you. We're going to be watching some classic Penn State games online, and I think it's going to be a pretty fun time. We'll convert them into podcasts, but I'll have all the details for some of that stuff once we get closer to making that all official. It's going to be a lot of fun, though, and I'm looking forward to it. And I hope you are, too. And I hope you continue to subscribe and rate and review and follow on all the social media platforms that you have available to you, whatever works best for you. And again, if you're listening to this podcast while you're working from home, I genuinely appreciate getting a chance to keep you company during these weird times that we live in right now. 
But that's it for me in this episode. I'm Kevin McGuire. You can follow me on Twitter at KevinOnCFB and check out my college football coverage on AthlonSports.com as well as NBCSports.com's College Football Talk. Even though the sports world is at a halt right now, I've still got a lot of stuff going on, and I look forward to sharing it with you in as many ways as possible. So with that, have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Go 1-0 today and come back. We'll do this all again, once again, tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it, and I can't wait to talk to you once again.